When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Wednesday's episode of a Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Fowler and I'm joined once again by Joel Sked. Hello, Joel. Hello. Hello. And on today's show, we're going to be doing continuing our top 12 series. We usually finish it when we do the strikers, which we have done. Hey, apologies for the fact that we didn't really get to finish talking about Alfredo Morelos and Odson Edward, but hey, it's not like anybody talks about them already. Uh, so, But we're going to maybe try and continue this in some sort of way because... I'm going to struggle for content over the next few months, especially since the season has now been called and there's not even any more kind of what's going to happen uh, stuff coming out about that. There's still the kind of legal stuff with Hearts, but we're not exactly kind of well-versed in, in uh, company law when it, you know, especially when it comes to uh, what happens with football organisations when they have to shut down everything due to a global pandemic. So uh, we'll, we'll maybe try and come up with some other top 12 lists, but for today we're going to go top 12 managers in the SPFL, so that uh, includes all four divisions, and we're not doing this as in terms of who's done the best job or whatever, we're just trying to, to figure out who the best actual managers are, so if you were, say your club needs a new manager, uh, which of these names would you be most happiest with, basically, in order, I think is maybe the, the, the best way to look at that. Joel, how did you kind of, what was your kind of mindset going into this uh, in terms of trying to figure out how to evaluate some managers over others? So, yeah, this was, this was the thing I was a little bit confused, well, not confused with just the difficulty that presented that just went through the, the list of managers across the four divisions on, on Wikipedia, just noted down the ones who I thought were worthy of consideration. And then it was a case of, do I... Choose them in relation to what job they've done. So, for example, James McDonoghue, I will consider him. I didn't pick him. 
because I'm not sure. Uh, so he's done a good job at Edinburgh City, but then again, they are still quite far back from Cove Rangers, and they have uh, they, they, they've invested um, significantly enough for for that level. So I think he's he's done an okay job. If uh, my only is maybe worthy of consideration of this list, and then there's like people like Paul Hartley and Ray McKinnon, they are in the league in League Two for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> so they may be doing well in League Two, but they're in uh, League Two for a reason. So it was it was it was a balancing act where I've just went for I went for managers who who've just done a good job either a really good job this season or consistently across the past two or three seasons and then just worked them in the list. So I'll be honest straight away that it's going to be uh, certainly the top half of the list is going to be a premiership focus just because, again, managers in the premiership are generally better managers. I have one, well, it depends how you count premiership, uh, which is maybe a tell, but I've got one uh, lower league manager uh, in the top seven. Lower league last season, at least, uh, in the top seven, uh, I have from last season. I have two managers from League Two, sorry, League One, and I've got three for the Championship, and the rest are top flight. And also, yeah, I wondered. So to get it further on your point, I, th- I think if people listen to this, and, and I'd imagine you're similar to me, so I've, I'm just going to go ahead and say I've got the all uh, from managers uh, first and second in my list, and the kind of. You might not want to do that, and you might people might think, "Oh, how fucking interesting that is!" You just pick they two because they're in charge of the biggest clubs in the country. But yeah, that kind of has to come into it. That that job demands a, a certain amount of ability. Uh, also, it comes with pressure. Unlike every other job, you also have to play in Europe, which I think is a, a better tell of maybe a manager's uh, abilities than just kind of the run of the mill, you know, Scottish football games or whatever. And also, I had to ask myself if either Neil Lennon or Stephen Gerrard to leave their jobs right now and they were to be replaced by anybody in Scottish football, would any amount of Rangers or Celtic fans be happy with that? Would, would 10%, would 5% of Celtic fans be happy if, like, say, for example, Derek McInnes replaced Neil Lennon? Uh, say the same thing for Rangers and Stephen Gerrard. No, they'd be fucking raging. And I think that probably says a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's not... There's one or two managers maybe on here who could, if they make a step elsewhere, make that move to uh, move to Celtic Rangers. But I can't see. There's only really. So obviously, Derek McInnes was almost Rangers manager. I think there would have been some Rangers fans who would have been happy with him. Not now. I think that's that's a very much a budget's been burnt. I can see one manager on certainly one manager on this list. If he does really well in his current in his uh, current job. He could be seen as a as, as a potential for uh, the old firm, but again, that is that's 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 a fair bit down the road. Okay, so let's get to our list. Who's your number twelve? My number twelve is Jim Duffy. <laughs> I thought about Jim Duffy, but I didn't. I went for an early league one manager. This uh, this uh, right way. This shows you how uh, pish this list is. <laughs> In terms of the quality of managers, there's there's guys in my top six. I'm like, I'm not even sure. <laughs> So yeah, with Jim Duffy is that he has he's he's had a mixed career management wise. He always gets, for example, for for many uh, for a long time he was the Hibs manager who basically got them relegated. Yes, and he was the director of football at Hearts for a very short <laughs> short period, which, which uh, basically was, meant he was assistant manager for some yes, reason, which wasn't great. But no, I think I think he's. 
he's dropped down. He's dropped down the level. Uh, but I think he still managed to show his experience and uh, just his just his knowledge and understanding of the game to go to Dumbarton and have them kind of it's almost steady the ship because there's a couple of times certainly last there was certainly last season start of last season where there was question marks about Dumbarton. I think at one point. In the summer, there was a talk of maybe he would end up he would end up leaving. There's be there was he had some interest in recruitment at Dunbar, and certainly Sean has talked about it on View from the Terrace, where it looked like uh, it, it looked like Kenny's time was time was up. But he's one of those managers who I think Dunbar are really a club like Dunbar are really pleased to have him there because of because of just his, his abundance of experience. He seems like uh the more the more he him talk, the more more I like him. But the uh, I think he can be a quite personal, quite a good manager, and he's done a done a decent job, which has been enough to get him on this list. Yeah, so I've gone for kind of similar. Uh, well, actually, before I do that, I should just get to go into your point. If you if you look at them, Jim Duffy's last three jobs, I think they've all been fairly positive overall. He took over a, a Clyde team that was kind of completely gutted. Uh, they were in real kind of a perilous financial situation. They were expected to finish rock bottom of the of the football league, or the, sorry, the SPFL, or the crash back then. Probably just would have been SFL. Uh, and he managed to take them to the playoffs. I think uh, both seasons, at least both seasons, he had them uh, finishing higher than anybody expected. He then moved on to Morton. Things didn't really end that that great in Morton, but they still went in, in kind of any relegation trouble in the championship, and he picked them up when they were in League One. Uh, contended for the playoffs a couple of years in the, in the championship as well, so that, again, that was a decent job. And it uh, goes to what you said about him at Dumbarton, and again, similar to Clyde, expected this season to really struggle and didn't do so. So having kind of seen his reputation completely nosedive, it's not back to the levels that they once were, but he certainly, at least in the lower leagues, managed to prove himself to be a, a very uh, good custodian overall. My yeah, yeah, 12. That, that's, sorry, that, that, that's, that's the main thing. I think if you're looking to uh, appoint a manager, certainly at that level, he's a very steady hand. I think especially if you're, you're in danger, you basically steady the ship and make sure you don't, uh, don't get in any trouble. My number 12 is Danny Lennon. Yeah, he, he came into consideration from a long list. So you see, him, the thing with Lennon, so he's definitely a figure of fun in Scottish football, isn't he? He kind of has been. He has been ever since he started referring to himself in uh, interviews in the third person. And he was always kind of maligned at St Mirren, but you kind of see what happened to St Mirren after he left. It kind of shows that Lennon was doing a pretty decent job. And, and this is the clincher, what put him on my list ahead of a few other managers. He won the, he won the League Cup. He won the League Cup with St Mirren. That's a pretty good achievement for, for somebody to do. And if you look at what he's done since he left St Mirren, he's kind of just made bad decisions uh, more than anything else about where he's kind of ended up. So he went to Aloha for a brief period. Didn't do too well, but Aloha were kind of treading water by that stage in the championship anyway. He then took on a, a kind of a interim role at Airdrie after Eddie Walecki Black fell ill. Again, that just was a short-lived thing. And kind of moving down through divisions in these short-time roles, it was only going to go one way. Not Even though it's not really... It shouldn't be seen as a black mark on his sort of CV. Clubs are just premiership clubs or top end championship clubs are just just not going to look at a manager who's recently been in charge of Aloha and well Aloha is their heading out of division and um, Airdrie and be like yeah yeah you're the man to to have us playing in the top flight. So 
I, I think he's been a, a bit of a victim of circumstance and his own uh, kind of choices on, on where he's gone after St Mirren, but I don't think there's any really that much to suggest that he couldn't do a similar job uh, with another club to what he did there, which was basically kind of keep their necks above water or taking over a team as he's done before, uh, like he did at Cowden Beath, and, and being able to push teams through the divisions. One reason why I maybe could have not included them was that I don't think he's done a particularly great job at Clyde this season, having done so well last year with their, with their um, promotion push. I think they were expected to do a bit better this campaign. Uh, but again, they're still not... I don't think they were in kind of immediate danger. And you could say this was just a, a season to get their kind of footing in the third tier and then maybe push on the following season. But overall, I don't think... I think Daniel Lennon gets a wee bit of a hard time, but he does bring a bit of it on himself, especially when he comes up with some bollocks about taking 25 kids to an island for five years. Yes, I, I, think, you've, I think you've talked about uh, Daniel Lennon really well there. I pr- I've probably used this season as... The, this season probably went against them for me. That just that's came into consideration, but it's a really po- good point. The Cowd- like going back a few years, Cowden Beef he done an absolute fantastic job. St. Mirren, great job, and yeah, it was a case of uh, be careful what you wish for 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 St. Mirren fans. They've only re- really recovered from it the last couple of seasons. The uh, again, the, the the weirdness goes against them, but I think he is. He, I would have no uh, no qualms com- uh, against him being in this uh, this list. Right, who's your number 11? My number 11 is Rafe Rovers manager John McGlynn. Another I, reason... Uh, I didn't include him. Another, uh, another inclusion where I'm thinking, oh, this list isn't, isn't that great. <laughs> uh, just be, mainly because of, again, he's, he's passed with heart. But you've got to look at Rafe Rovers. They were in need of someone like him. They... They went through a bit of a, a tough period with like like Sir Barry Smith, John Hughes, and I think they needed someone like him to come in and who who understands a club, who not only understands a club but he's he's also I think they've got kind of John McGlynn two point because I think these, his first spell where he was, he was pretty much uh, kind of kind of functional manager, you could tell that he'd worked under I think he'd worked under Craig Levine and uh, and such like, but. This season, Rafe Rovers generally have fans have generally been impressed with what he's won. He's he's won them the league league one trophy. If uh, if Rafe Rovers fans want to claim that as a win, well, he, yeah. he certainly has. I mean, uh, undeniably, he's won them the league one trophy. Uh, it's in weird circumstances, but he has yeah. done that. But he, he's done the job. Uh, he's done the job required. And I think he's not a he's not a manager who is going to be managing in the Premiership, but again, falls into the Jim Duffy category of, in League One, maybe mid-table championship, he's a very, very solid uh, solid option. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't go for McGlynn, but it was on my long list. I think it was just... I, I just didn't think it was quite enough uh, to, to put him back in the top 12, of, uh, given some of his uh, indiscretions in the past. <laughs> To be fair, the job of Hearts was probably not that bad in retrospect, but I saw that I hated it at the time. It, it, when you said indiscretion, I was just thinking of him in his trackies and suit, or uh, vice versa. Yeah, yeah, the, the trackie over the suit. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> right, uh, number 11, I've got John Robertson. Uh, somebody, okay. somebody who didn't do a very good job of Hearts either, but again, in kind of circumstances, uh, Robbo kind of bounced around, kind of seemed like he was done uh, with kind of managing football before he turned back up in Burness. Very Talked about it loads of times, very surprise appointment, but he's done a great job at kind of keeping Inverness Despite their, their financial problems, despite the kind of the budget, the squad constantly coming down, he's done a good job at keeping them relevant at the top end of the championship for the last couple of years, uh, finishing runners-up uh, this past season. And uh, maybe a little unlucky that they didn't get the, the chance to have a go at it in the playoffs because that would obviously have been huge for a, a club that's that suffered their, their issues. Not really much more to say than Robinson. I think it maybe says a lot that Robbo's reputation has been re- rebuilt to the extent that if he was a uh, hire this manager of Hearts, it wouldn't just be a case of Hearts fans going, oh, yeah, good, God, he's came in because he's a proper Hearts man who gets it. I think most people would be happy because he's done a good job in the championship and he has worked in the top flight before. Not, you know, not a great job uh, while he was there. Uh, but not a disaster either. Hearts finished fifth under him in, a, in a really what was a season of transition. And uh, he took over Levy, but Levy were pretty much doomed when he walked through the door. So he's not been terrible at the top level. He's not been great, but he has been good at lower levels. And that was enough for me to have him at number 11. So I've, I've got him one higher. Okay. I've got number number 10. Originally, so when John Robertson was linked to the job, when Craig Levine, or when he's been linked to the job recently, I think certainly when Craig Levine left, I was kind of like not really, not really into that. He's, he's he's had his he's had his spell at Hearts, and that's it. It's time to time to look elsewhere. We don't want to just appoint John Robertson because he's a Hearts uh, Hearts legend. But I listened to listened to an interview he did recently, and he talked really candidly about his managerial career. He he, he kind of he kind of explained it all out and how during his first spell at Hearts. It was he probably wasn't quite ready because he was really um, I like it. I like words written down because I don't have to pronounce them. So there's a word that I'm, I'm trying to think of. A word I know, but I don't know how to pronounce it. But he was he was quite scrappy. He was very scrappy. Do uh, like and I think he made that he made that himself. It went it went against him. Obviously, he had the run in with uh, Shabalazzo. He was really he was really passionate and sometimes like his emotions. Uh, get the better of him. We have to remember he did get Hearts to two semi-finals, and uh, that that season, I think he did say that he went on some of his job choices weren't the best. You kind of alluded that to alluded to that with, uh, with 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 Danny Lennon, but when you actually look at what he's done to Inverness, it's really impressive. The fact they're still second there, having lost uh, having lost two, they lost two players in the in January. They called Donaldson and. Um, Jamie McCart as well. So Leicester sent a half pair, and they sent a half pair, and then going forward with Kevin McCarty and Brad McKay. So there, there in itself is worthy of of a lot of praise. So he was, he was he's kind of working with uh, one of his hands hand, uh, tied behind his back. He wants to play, I think, uh, positive football. I think he has. He's he's a he's a much better manager now than he when he was uh, was at Hearts. Right, I'll just skip, skip right to my number 10 then, and uh, I've now got the first uh, Premiership manager on my list, and I'm really just kind of doing it this down far down the list because I wanted to kind of mix it up and not just have like the, the top six or whatever, top six or seven being all Premiership managers. So in at number 10, I've got Jim Goodwin, it's a boss. Oh, I've not got him. You're not got Jim Goodwin? No. Uh, 
I don't think I've been uh, blown away by any of Jim Goodwin's three seasons in management. So that would be, uh, or four, it would be four seasons maybe, uh, three and a bit, I think. Uh, so promotion with Aloha, uh, but via the playoffs. Uh, keeping Aloha in the second tier and then keeping St Mirren in the top flight. Uh, I'm not, I don't think any of them are like utterly outstanding, uh, but I think that they're all very much, you know, thumbs up, very solid job. Uh, you've done well. And I think this, uh, the reason why I had him in my top 12 especially was I think he'd done quite a good job this season. I think this season might even be his most impressive season, even though he kept a, a part-time team in a, full, in a largely full-time league last term, was that St Mirren were a bit of a shambles in the summer and really had to patch together that team at the last minute. And some of the players they signed, Ilkay Durmas came quite good in the end, but he was barely offered in for the first few months. They've got nothing out of their forwards to begin with. They've had to, they've had basically starting centre halves who were they were decent, but then they had to kind of rip them up. And uh, I think they both either left or they brought two more defenders in in January. And he's kind of had to swim against the tide for a lot of this campaign and to keep them up. I know it's literally by kind of one game because had they been beaten by Hearts in that final match by by more than a goal, then it would have been them heading down instead of Hearts. But I think there was a lot going against him uh, this campaign and he's managed to, he took a team that at the start of the season just, I mean, what had they scored like four goals in the first seven games or something ridiculous like that? Uh, maybe even worse than that tally. He managed to do enough for them, get enough organised, get enough play out of certain players like Durmas, like Obika, to just get them over the line. And I think he, he deserves a, a lot of credit for that. Yeah, so with, with Goodwin... If I was offered the, if I was offered Duffy, uh, Duffy McGlynn or Goodwin, I'd go for Goodwin. Again, I think choice is largely just to mix up, not to have twelve Premiership managers in. Goodwin, you you made a lot of good points. I've been relatively impressed with what he's done at St Mirren. Again, I think maybe another season or two to really get a um, better a better idea of how 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 good a manager he is how well rounded the manager is but I've really enjoyed a lot sort of the, the probably the biggest aspect um, uh, aspect of Goodwin's managerial career which I um or since he's been at St John's uh, since I need to start again I can't even barely speak so one of the uh, <laughs> probably the biggest uh, the biggest positive I've seen from his tenure at St Mirren so far is that for a relatively inexperienced manager, how well organised and structured he has he has got uh, St Mirren. Yeah. So who's your number nine? My number nine is Dick Campbell. Ah, I've got him one place higher. You've just, just, you've just got to have Dick. You've just got to have Dick Campbell. You've just got to have Dick Campbell. And I mean, he Pro- is... He's probably a, he's the a, best man manager in the lower leagues. Uh, yes, absolutely. I think he, he's very much a throwback where he doesn't do much uh, doesn't do much coaching. He probably doesn't doesn't get involved in too much uh, tactical debate. Well, the, the but, tactics is 4-4-2 and uh, sub the wingers off if you're struggling on 60 minutes. But I think the big thing for Dick Campbell is that when it comes down to football, it's, he he keeps it very simple. He keeps it very straightforward. Players go on to the go on to the pitch without to uh, without um, being overloaded with information. They probably have a very clear idea of what's expected of them, what they what they need to do, and you just look, have to look at his his longevity, not just his longevity in Scottish football, but then to uh, to do what he's done with Far Brough is absolutely fantastic. 
Yeah, so I've got one place higher just because uh, I've got him in front of my number nine just because Dick Campbell is doing it at a higher level and he's managed to get a, a team promoted twice in recent seasons and he's kept them up very comfortably in the second tier and that's going against full-time teams all the time whereas this uh, manager I've got in number nine I've been very impressed by the job he's done uh, but he is not going against as many full-time teams and uh, there is a difference. I mean, you... It's obviously a higher standard. Obviously, other teams as well are, are playing with or should be, you know, given much more coaching, much more organisation. So to do so well against teams that have that advantage, I think really speaks a lot for the job that Campbell's done. My number nine is a level below being very impressive. Stuart Petrie at Montrose. Yeah, you're he, nodding your head. I think you've got him somewhere, I don't assume. Yes, I've got, but I've got him a bit further up. Yeah, so Petrie, it's when, I mean... Montrose had been out all, hadn't been out of the, the bottom tier for uh, 22 years, I think it was. And uh, when Petrie took over as well, there were a team in relegation bother. In fact, if you were going to pick a side, you thought, right, who's maybe the next team to drop out of the, the SPFL? And Montrose might feature quite high on your list because they were just always seem to be in the kind of lower halves of the bottom tier. They rarely ever seem to get the playoffs or even have a sniff at going up. He, he took over Montrose and, and completely transformed the club. Not only did he get them out of the, the, the second tier, well, got them out of relegation border, then got them out of the second tier, uh, kept them in the... Sorry, second tier? Sorry, League 2, fuck's sake, Craig. Uh, got them into League 1, kept them in it quite comfortably. I think they just missed out in the playoffs last season. And then uh, this past season... Uh, they were were they in the playoff spots or just with the fourth or fifth when it finished? But they were certainly in the hunt once more to maybe even get promotion to the positive championship. If they were in the playoff spots. They were sorry. I'm positive they were in the, the yeah. The I think spots. I think they were fourth when the the season finished. So to do that with a team that just had an absolute culture of losing really for for years and years and years is is really a, a, a terrific job, wonderful job by him. Like I say, it's just the fact that he's not higher is that he's he's only been at one club. And he's not had a chance at a level yet where full-time football is the norm rather than just one or two teams. So was he, was he your number... Number nine. Who's your number nine? Yeah, so he, he's, he's my number eight. Right, okay. Yeah. Anything to add about Petrie? Not really. I was, I, was, I was actually really tempted to put him higher as in like uh, five, six or seven. Just because I've been so so impressed with his tenure at Montrose, you look at it, it I, because of this, uh, because of the lack of Wikipedia pages for Montrose, I wasn't able to, uh, to to find out too much information on terms of win percentage of previous managers. I didn't have the time to go back and to work out, but over 151 games, he's his win percentage is just under 50. percent That is that's incredible considering what you've you've said about Montrose is that they were this. Uh, basically rubbish team in League 2 who were uh, kind of flouting with, with relegation and you, you, did, you did wonder where their, where their future kind of uh, what, their, what their future was going to be for, for that club but he has completely completely transformed them and he's just been he's been so impressive not just in not, not just in terms of what he's done when you look at results and where he's got them it is the uh, it's the way he's done it. I think he's very tactically switched on. He is 
I think he's he's someone that you'd you'd want to play with. I, I remember, uh, sorry, play for. I remember when we were up at Montrose uh, when we were up Montrose for hospitality came out afterwards. He, he spoke and he was very clear. And there was there was very much a uh, discount Brendan Rogers feel about him, but without <laughs> the without the tackiness and weirdness. It was really. Yes, without the without the, uh, the cringe, it was just a, it was just a very impressive, uh, impressive person when, when when speaking to him, and I think that's kind of radiated on forms. The fact that they've were relatively close to Falkirk and Rafe Rovers is uh, says a lot for says a lot for the job he's done at Montrose, and I think looking at the list, if there's a uh, Kind of the, a promising manager, or maybe not so much, so much promising, but a, a league, a part-time manager who I think a lot of full-time teams will be looking at. It'll be Petrie, but from what I've heard is that he is. Uh, I think he's, he's he's got quite a good life away from football, so it would, it would probably take a big job to persuade him. But I would I would really like to see a team, a full-time team, come in for him and see what he can do. If uh, I think Sean always mentions Dunfermline because of his past there, but something like that to see if he can kind of have the effect or impact he's had at uh, Montrose somewhere else. Right, so my number eight was Dick Campbell. We've already talked uh, as much as you can, I think, about Dick Campbell. Uh, what's your number seven? My number seven is Robbie Nielsen. <laughs> Did you always for the pause? Because uh, all day I've been switching uh, Robbie Nielsen and the next person on the list around. Okay, I've got Robbie Nielsen. Uh, I've got him at number five. Oh, okay, we be, be higher. Robbie Nielsen, two, two spots I, higher. Yeah. Well, when it's when it when it's when it's only twelve people, it's it's a wee bit higher. The uh, <laughs> Nielsen is is a curious one. He's someone that I really really liked uh, at Hearts, and I think he was treated unfairly by uh, by a certain element of fans, and you can kind of see where Hearts have went. Uh, sorry, where Hearts have gone since he's left. There's no doubt that if he stayed another season or two, like Hearts wouldn't have went the way they did under Cathro or Levine and finishing mid-table. I think he's the type of manager who would have had them fourth at least. He would, uh, might not have been exhilarating football, but I would imagine he was very competent. He could kind of get that McInnes mould where he knew what take, uh, took, uh, he knew what it takes to win in the Premiership and grind out results. And I think that's perhaps what kind of started to go against some hearts is that after the really impressive play in the first season in the championship that there was a bit of uh, a bit of change in tact to a more functional style of play and I think a lot of fans seen it as oh Craig Levine's having a bit of, bit of influence his recruitment started off really well and it got really bad like yeah. likes of Connor Salmon uh Fakal Reras uh who else? Who else did he? Who else did he sign in that? And uh, Robbie Muirhead. So they, like, there was a lot of players who Perry Kitchen, make, Perry Kitchen as well. Yeah, uh, didn't make a lot of Abiola Dowder. Uh, didn't make a, a lot of impact. So it, it, it kind of it seemed like when he left Hearts was the perfect time for a kind of part of ways for him. Didn't do great at MK Dons. I know he's talked about the fact he'd have a director of football there which uh, was kind of eye-opening for him because obviously he worked under Craig Levine and he's working under the director of football, Dun United. Dun United, 
I think that's the big one that's went against him and probably dragged him down this list is that he has, it's taken him a while and understandably so because London United were a bit of a mess but you'd still expect with them, uh, the money that was invested, the just the infrastructure at the club that he's probably should have uh, done better last season than he did this season. Uh, yeah, uh, I think he, he should. Yeah, the United probably should have done better under him last season. But again, he's you're taking over somebody else's team, uh, kind of thing. So I'm gonna, especially since I've got two places higher, I'm gonna give him a pass for that. <laughs> I mean, you also have to, to help get, my argument, really. You also have to take into consideration that even when Dun United are squishing the league, there have been question marks from Dun United fans about. Yeah, there, there is that. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna gloss over that. I'm gonna gloss over that, Joe. My number seven is Gary Holt at Livingston. Okay, I have, um, I've got a caveat coming up and I've got them higher. Okay, right. Well, I, I was going to... I would, I could have... I could conceivably have Gary Holt as number four on this list if I truly believed that he was the man at Livingston. Now, I don't... Right, I'm not, That's my caveat. Yeah, I'm not going to say that I believe that David Martindale is actually the manager. I don't believe he is, but I think they're more co-managers than the titles we'd let on. Hmm. Uh, I think that's to be fair I think that's a credit to Gary Holt that he could go in uh, to Livingston and make that situation work and also as well uh, I think what he's done very good at is the fact that he when he was at Falkirk he, he, was, a, he was a decent boss at Falkirk didn't exactly uh, you know set off fireworks or anything with what he did but he, he, was, he had the team going for promotion every season he had them playing good football he was he seemed to be doing very good taking the young uh, players in that squad along and making them better players. He left Falkirk, pitches up later at Levy, and uh, Falkirk is playing like passing football. And at Livingston, he comes in, he says what all managers say right away, which ends up usually being pish uh, if they, they take over a situation where the, the squad is you know, built a certain way in terms of saying, well, I don't want to fix you know, what's not broken because I think I'm going to do what, what the squad's good at. He actually did do it. He actually did play, continued the, the Livingston style of play that had actually been interrupted by Kenny Miller coming in and, and actually wanting them to play passing football, which the team didn't uh, really suit. So, so you could say like, oh yeah, maybe David Martindale has a, has a big influence in that. But had Kenny Miller stayed in charge of Livingston for that entire season, I mean, how would they have done? I think they would have really struggled and might have went straight back down. The fact that he came in and, and definitely made them better is major plus points for him. And they've even got better this season. So he... I don't believe somebody like Gary Holt, who had a, you know, is a decent job in his CV and is somebody that, like, for instance, Kelly would always take a long look at, at hiring Gary Holt uh, and I think other clubs would as well. I just don't believe he would be there and just be like a, a kind of puppet so Martindale can pull all the strings. But I do, I do also think it's, like I say, it's more a kind of co-manager thing that, uh, going on there. I don't think it's just like all Holt either and the f- because of that fact is why he's as low as number seven on my list because he really could be number four I'll speak to speak about him once we get further up list okay so who's your number six Jack Ross same oh there we go Jack Ross is he is the manager alluded to when I was speaking about a potential uh, person in the premiership who if he does well at Hibs could make that move to one of the old firm yeah, quite possible. He'd have to do he'd, very he'd well, go, but yeah. Yeah, he would have to do very well. We're talking uh, a, a season where Hibs put together a ridiculous, amount of, a ridiculous run of results where they're even in contention for the 
Premiership title uh, even halfway through this the season and tail off. Or... <laughs> so you'd have to do something that ever does, really. <laughs> <laughs> so it like, like John Hughes did when in his first season at uh, Hibs, where they had them like. Yeah, I get what you mean. Close to those far. But yeah, Jack Ross is. I think he's, 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 he's an interesting manager because he splits opinion because I think there'd be some, certainly within the terrace, who would probably have him much further down this list. And then there's certainly an argument for him to be higher up the list in, in, a, in one of the top maybe three, four positions. But I think there is, where we've got him as six is kind of just sums him up where there's still a bit of, uh, maybe a few question marks about his, his, his managerial, just because, managerial talents just because of the way it ended at Sunderland. Sunderland was a big failure from not only because... He didn't get him promoted in the first season when there was, when you think they had decent backing, and then to struggle so much in the second season, they they drew too many games. And for a manager who played really, I found really attractive football with St. Mirren, they were were, were attacking. He, he is someone who talks, I've talks a very good game, and I think that helps his. Uh, kind of, it certainly helps his reputation in the media, and there's 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 nothing wrong with that. But Sunderland, Sunderland dented him. It's hard to judge his time at Hibs just yet. He has certainly improved Paul Heckenbottom's squad. So basically, it's Paul Heckenbottom's squad, and he's he's improved them. But maybe not as big improvements as maybe some hoped or uh, hoped or expected. So I think he's a very good man. I think he is going to be a very good manager. I think he's an excellent appointment for Hibs. I would like to. Uh, Hearts have appointed them. Hearts wouldn't be anywhere there. Probably wouldn't be bottom of the table if they had appointed them. But I think it would be very interesting this summer to see what he does with the squad. Again, you have to add in the coronavirus pandemic and the impact of that. But it'll be interesting to see him build his own squad and where he takes it. Because I think, I think Hibs fans should be positive with what they have seen so far. Going to what you said about Ross in terms of us not really, some would have him higher, some would have him lower. It's kind of because we don't really know what Jack Ross is like uh, at the top flight level in Scotland. So we've got a little bit of it from him, but his previous jobs where he done well. I mean, one, I think his job at Alloa was talked up quite a lot better than it, it maybe needed to be because he took over them, uh, couldn't save them for relegation. Uh, I mean, it was probably about time that that Alloa squad was dropping at the second tier anyway. But... He still, that's still a, a, a small loss on his part. The next campaign, when he was taken to St Mirren, they were third on the table. Uh, I mean, they were, they were only like a couple of points off the top and they started the season really well, but they were top and he'd signed very well. But they were still third. They're still, you know, it's not exactly like, I'm not saying it's a bad job. I'm just saying that it wasn't like they were running away with the league and like his, his job at Alloa really, really talked up and I just don't quite understand where that's from coming from. It's St Mirren. Yes, he, he, he undoubtedly done outstanding work. I mean, took over a team bottom of the league. It obviously, took some time to, to turn things around because the the team was just not very good when he turned up. They, they really struggled and then they were able to get some signings in January and that really improved matters. And the run they went on at the end of the season was very impressive. And winning the title the immediate season after that, also very impressive. What I would say about both those is that St Mirren should never have been bottom in the first place. They were obviously able to acquire a better sort of player in January than most teams would do in the Championship. And the following campaign, he was he was touted as manager of the year in Scotland. And I was like, it's kind of like people are rewarding them on this for like a job of 18 months. 
Like if you're going all the way back to January of the season before, right? Forget about that. Simon stayed up and then. And now he's building a squad for this season. So if you take it from just that summer to the previous summer, I, I would have gone into that campaign. I would have said, where, where are Simon going to finish? I would have been, I don't know, third or fourth. So then winning the title wasn't exactly the hugest surprise. And then he goes down to Sunderland, and Sunderland actually, I'm going to go the other way. I think he didn't do quite as bad a job as maybe you would think with the resources they had. I think it's just always uh, difficult to go in a, a kind of situation where the, there's a kind of demands on promotion and to achieve it, especially when you're, you're I mean, he's not, you've not managed in England before. And there's also, you know, there's the kind of thing as well that Sunderland might have gone up if they didn't sell their, their top goal scorer in that January when they were, I think, top of the table at the time. And then Hibbs, it's his first job in the Scottish Premiership and they've been up and down. There's been some positives, but there's been some negatives as well, mainly their performance in the, the most recent derby at Tynecastle, And there's been a couple of other games that have looked a bit iffy. I think the the January, the signings in January on the whole looked very strong, but McNulty and Omionga didn't bring much to the team, and I don't think he knew exactly how to bed in Omionga with the other tools in the Hibs midfield. So it will be very interesting next season. Like you, I would not be surprised if he, if he does very well next campaign and Hibs finish even third. Uh, but there's still some questions to be answered. Right, so he's my number, he's my number six as well. Who's your number five? So my number five is Gary Holt slash David Martindale. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this is a caveat that I think I think it's hard to separate uh, to separate them. You described it probably the best way you can. Gary Holt was certainly not a uh, certainly not a puppet. It's certainly not David Martindale's show. I think there is a bit of. Uh, they're just a bit of balance between them. Like you said, they're probably probably joint managers. So I've I've treated them as such. Well, whoever whoever's whoever calls the shots, well, whatever it is, you can't fault the job they've done over the past two seasons. It was interesting because you talked about Kenny Miller, and it's it's one that we say regularly. You kind of forget that he was he was Libby Boss because well, of course he was there for such a short period of time. We asked Nicky Catter about this off air when he was on a view from the terrace and he said he absolutely loved it mm-hmm. under 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 Kenny Miller. So it was I think I found that really interesting. But then again, I think uh, Nicky Cadden might be the type of player that uh, Kenny Miller wanted to play because I think Nicky Cadden was in and out the yeah, Levy team in the certainly in the premiership before he got his but it's, it's, it's Sean always makes the point everybody loves playing for Gary Locke. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's very true. Enjoyment yeah. of playing under does not equate good manager. Yeah, that that's that that's true. That's true, but Holt and Martindale, I, I've put them in my hat higher than yourself just because I don't think there's a team I've enjoyed watching more all across the past two seasons than Holt slash Martindale's uh, uh, Livy team. The there's there's not much else to add to that just because they have just punched above their weight. They've made it really difficult for for teams. I really like Holt. At times in the media, where he he's, he's he's just honest. He says, "Yeah, we want to make it difficult for teams when they come here. We uh, we, we we try not play in difficult areas." That the uh, he basically tells people shop about the the three G server or the artificial surface or, or what's what. But it's probably the only thing I can add to what what you said is that you look at last season they had. Uh, 
not quite the spine ripped out of him, but they had key players leave. And then the recruitment in the, in the summer was absolutely brilliant, not only to replace those players, but improve on the team as a whole. The sign in the Linden Dykes is one of the best bits of business in the, certainly the Scottish Premiership in recent, uh, recent years. You've got Bartley come in, John Guffrey was a really good signing, Matthias Sarkic in goals, and then brought in Robbie McCrory. They, I think, quite savvy. They were quite savvy with the recruitment. And they, they've shown that they can play and, and use different formations. Again, last season it was mainly kind of 3-5-2. And Hope used that, Hope slash Martindale used that end of the season to kind of experiment looking ahead. So now they've changed to, uh, they changed to a back four. They are they're robust. They, like I said, make it difficult. They, but they're also exciting. When they get the ball forward, they are an exciting team to watch and entertain them. Right, man number five is Robbie Nielsen. You, you've talked about uh, some of his weaker points. I'm just going to I'm going to state some facts for you, Joe. Okay. He's, he's only two seasons in the second tier. He, he's won the title both times, full seasons, uh, and one of the times was a miraculous job of Hearts finishing on a record points total in a division that also had Hibs, Rangers, and a pretty threatening Queen of the South and Falkirk side. So that's uh, that's one hell of a job for me. Okay. Uh, and he's only season in the Scottish Premiership. He's finished third and left when his team was second. And yeah, he didn't do a good job at MK Dons, but he didn't... I don't think he necessarily regressed that side. He took over a team that was floundering near the relegation places in England's League One, and he left where they were floundering near the relegation places in England's League One. And I think he made that classic mistake of signing too many of his ex-players uh, to take down with him as well. Yeah. Uh, or, or kind of players for Scotland. You see managers do it all the time. Good managers do it all the time. Uh, and I don't think that should take too much away from him. So, yes, Robin Nielsen, in at my number five. Please come back. All is forgiven. He, uh, one thing was that, that second position, that was very much a false position. <laughs> it was fucking November. How false could it be? I don't know. I just, I just remember because I was writing something about, I was writing about Nielsen or, or just about Hearts over the last few seasons uh, recently. And I looked at foot stats and when he left and I forgot that we were second. And I can remember... I can remember when he left, everyone was like, that, 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 was a, that was a false position. But I can't remember the, the reasoning behind that. We weren't very good and got it in Europe to some Maltese push. I think that was just the reason. That was, yeah, I forgot about that. That was, uh, that's a black mark against him. <laughs> right. uh, number four. So I, I'm going to assume we've got the same top four. Uh, it just depends on the order. Yes, so my number four, I've gone for Derek McInnes. <laughs> I wondered if you were going to do this. I thought you would. I thought you would stick the bit until Deke. Yes. I was, I was actually, cons- I was considered, I think I had him third originally. Right, so yeah, so my number three is Derek McInnes and my number four is Stephen Robinson. Yeah, so uh, mine's, 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 uh, mine's the other way around. Uh, I'm, what I'm going to say to defend my position is that if it's going on this season alone, then yeah, definitely Stephen Robinson's done a better job than Derek McInnes. He has a, a much reduced budget than McInnes. You know, the, the best player from last season has been injured for the entire campaign and haven't even received any money for him uh, in David Turnbull. How about, how about, how about you make, uh, so how about you make your case for McInnes? I'll make my case for Robinson. My big case for McInnes is just on longevity. Like to have Aberdeen in the top four for as long as he has is quite remarkable and not something I've seen in Scottish football in my lifetime. Teams have finished third, teams have finished second. 
Uh, nobody else has won the league apart from Rangers or Celtic, but you know, you, you've got all these contenders who kind of come up and then they come down again. Derek McInnes has managed to fashion out a kind of consistency with that Aberdeen team that I've just not seen. Uh, it's unparalleled. And Robinson has been very impressive for me, and I wasn't there wasn't really much in it between the two. But even though Robinson's done better last season, and maybe even done better the season before, if you compare budgets uh, with Motherwell finishing sixth after uh, having such a terrible first half to the campaign, then, yeah, I can maybe understand if you want to go with more recency, and it could be that McInnes is starting to overall lose his touch, because it certainly hasn't been pretty for Aberdeen the last couple of years. But to finish in the top four every single season since I think I would be right in saying 2013-14, maybe even the no, was yeah. That, yeah, it was his first full season. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, because I think he came in at the end of the 2012-2013 season. Yeah, to do it that many campaigns in a row and to finish second as many times as they did as well, twice to uh, Pippin Rangers in the second place. I just think overall that makes a stronger case in Robinson, who has a much smaller sample size uh, from to judge. Uh, so that's pretty much the reason he gets in it, because certainly the last couple of years he's not done as good a job as Robinson. No, so that's that's been for me is that McInnes over the last couple of seasons certainly uh, regressed, and there has been a lot of question marks uh, from Aberdeen fans about their future, their direction under under Derek McInnes. Really, so it's it's been watched quite a lot of their games over the past two seasons and it's been tough to watch at times. Robinson, so I'll talk about Robinson. The reason I've gone for Robinson is because he has, he's had Motherwell punching above the weight, maybe not in terms of league position. I think this is the first time league position they've really, uh, uh, they've really gone above and beyond. They've got one of the smaller budgets in, in the league. I think, I think he claimed it was the third smallest. But I think there's a group of teams in the premiership, there's, there's not much between them. But if, if he's true, that's that's a massive achievement to have the third smallest budget in the, in the league and to finish third. But the previous two seasons is that he has taken Motherwell to, to, to finals. He's put them, he's, he's, he's taken them back to Hamden where that was one of the, I think the annoyances of the, the Motherwell support under the likes of uh, Stuart McCall. Martin Bean stuff is that they didn't go to Hamden enough. They, they had impressive teams. They had teams who were really good in the, in, in the league, but they didn't string, uh, they weren't a good cup team. Robinson's changed that. But not just that, Robinson's had to lose key players kind of every season or even halfway through the season. This season, we got James Scott and Devante Cole, and he's, he's constantly had to kind of remodel or reshape his team, and he's, he's done so. There's, I've thought there's been a bigger change from a, a team in, in Scottish football over the last few years. Uh, when you consider you had this Motherwell team who were very Livingston in the way they approached things, they, they were great for uh, eight to twelve months or so. They were really, really fun. They they made it really difficult for opposition teams. They were direct. They were aggressive, and then they kind of just stalled and kind of almost flatlined. And he had to do something. Bang! He's got David Turnbull. Uh, he's used. Um, Jake Hasty and completely transformed them to this kind of aggressive, no nonsense team. I was watching, uh, I was watching Last Dance, uh, an episode last night, and I had Detroit Pistons. Uh, what they were talking about name, and they were being like really roughing up the Chicago Bulls. That was kind of like uh, Motherwell. So they went from like D- they went from Detroit Detroit Pistons. The amount of times they used to get slagged on this podcast for making any sort of basketball analogy, and now every fucker's doing it because everyone's watching it, Craig. Dance. Everyone's watching it. And so they went from this having this reputation to 
to one where which is hard to shift to a team that's playing really nice football. And on top of that, there's a big one of the big uh, their model what Motherwell is to improve young players and sell them on and bring in revenue that way. And he's done that. He's he's really given youngsters a platform to uh, not a platform just to play, but to get the best out of them. Like Cedric Keep Keepery, uh, you've got Turnbull, you've got Scott, you've got JK. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's all fair enough. I think Robinson's done a, a terrific job at Motherwell. And like I say, it's just, yeah, it was, it was kind of, it was the longevity thing for McInnes. He just shoved him ahead of, for me. Right, down to the final two. So it's going to be either Steven Gerrard or Neil Lennon. So, Joel, who's your number one? My number one? Yes. Neil Lennon. Yeah, I've got Lennon as well. Yeah. I think it's closer than uh, that kind of dismissive kind of shake of the head might, might suggest. Because right, so Len- Lennon. Longevity, sorry, Lennon over longevity. Yeah, yeah. The, I was gonna, yeah, I was eventually gonna kind of get to that. But what I was gonna say, the case for Gerard would be would be thus. So yeah, Gerard didn't win. Not won, not won any trophies uh, against Lennon. So that would be was he already out of the Scottish by the time they met last season? Can't really remember. Um, so that I right, so look at it this season. So Lennon's won the league. Lennon's won the league cup. Lennon will have a chance at winning the Scottish Cup whenever that starts again. And Gerald's team's obviously out. So that's a kind of black mark against Gerard. But if you consider the positions that they walked into in their current jobs, Lennon walked into a team uh, that Brendan Rogers side, uh, a team on the cusp of eight in a row with undoubtedly the best squad in Scottish football. Gerard walked into a Rangers side that had finished third for two seasons in a row. And it's kind of, he's had more time than Lennon, obviously, but he's kind of had to build it from much further away than Lennon has. Lennon's kind of been more about maintaining standards rather than trying to improve them. And I think that's a lot harder thing to do. I could also say as well that the job that Stephen Lennon's done in Europe is very impressive compared to Lennon done pretty well this season. But Lennon's team still didn't make it to the Champions League, whereas Rangers teams made it. Sorry, Gerard's Rangers team made it to the Europa League group stages from the first qualifier, which he's done two years in a row. Something that really seems to get lost uh, in the job that Gerard's done because there's just so much focus around nine in a row, ten in a row, you know, eight in a row, whatever. That you seem to just could have dismissed the fact that in Europe he's done something that's barely been done by any manager and taken aside from the very first Europa League qualifier and taken them to the group stages in this season. Took them beyond. Took them to the last, the last sixteen, or last, last sixteen. But he's, he's done that twice. Uh, not the last sixteen, twice. Yeah, not the last sixteen, twice. But he's taken them from the. Yeah, first yeah that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Aye, done it twice. Uh, most managers haven't done it. He's done it twice. Uh, and yeah, in the last season getting, sorry, this past season getting further than Celtic as well. So that's and even in the majority of all firm games when they face each other, Gerard seems to be getting the better of Lennon, even when they doesn't necessarily do it in the terms of. The result, like the League Cup final, the Rangers seem to be the better side than most of them, and Gerard seems to have Lennon a bit more sus tactically. Even when the, the game they lost at Celtic Park, I mean they went a man down when um, Morelos was set off, and they still Gerard tactically was probably better than Lennon that game. They eventually, you know, they managed to get in the game with only ten men, and they only lost because Tavernier was a fanny in the last few minutes. But like you say, it's hard to go against the guy who's winning the league, and. He's got the longevity as well. He's also got the other jobs. Lennon was very good at Celtic at his first time in charge. He didn't have much opposition in terms of the league, but he'd done very well in Europe, beating Barcelona, getting to the last 16. And at Hibs, well, it didn't end particularly well. There's no doubt that his first two years were uh, an undoubted success. 
Uh, there's very little I can add to that. The one thing I'll say is that I think Gerard has a... We talk about players having a higher, higher ceiling. I think he's got maybe a higher ceiling management-wise. I think he's got the potential to be a, a more rounded manager. But I don't know if that's maybe to do with the team around him because I think there's, there's, there's people involved to take on a lot of responsibility, namely Michael Beale. He sits in the stand and watches, and I think he's got a very, a very shrewd tactical mind. That being said, I think there's, there's high hopes for John Kennedy who could potentially be the next Celtic manager after Neil Lennon. But like you said to begin with, I don't think there's, there's too much to separate them. Neil Lennon is... Uh, I think Neil Lennon is a bit more of your... I think they're, they're both probably quite good man, manage, man managers. I think Lennon is more experienced, and you can see that in the way he deals with... Uh, I think he's, he's kind of calmed down, but you can see that in the way he deals with the press, with the way he deals with players. I think he, that's, that's an aspect of his management, which he's certainly improved on coming back to Celtic for this uh, for the second time. And it's probably better than Gerrard, who comes out with a few daft things and seems to throw his players under the bus quite often. Gerrard is the, the type of manager I think fans sometimes like to, uh, like to see where they are really honest. I think Lennon has learnt from that because remember when he was when he was at Hibs, he just constantly anytime there was a bad a bad performance, yeah. he just constantly he never took responsibility, he just constantly uh, constantly berated the players. I think both have constantly both berated have the a, players to the point where he had to stop giving press conferences. Yes, <laughs> I, think, I think I think both have a I think both have a weakness when it comes to accepting responsibility or taking or shouldering a majority of the blame. Gerard doesn't really. Uh, does it in a way where, yep, it was me to blame, but then goes in and says <laughs> why the players are to blame. It's, uh, it, it's crafty, but I think, I think Lennon has, uh, has improved in, in that sense, coming back to Celtic. And he probably had to because uh, there's no chance he was going to dig out the likes of Callum McGregor and Scott Brown on a weekly basis or uh, every few weeks if there was uh, a bad result. So, yeah, not much between them, but Neil Lennon, like you said, has, uh, has the trophies and the... Uh, experience and longevity to uh, put them ahead of Jared. And that's us. Thanks very much, Joe. That ended up being uh, quite a discussion. I wasn't too sure what we're gonna, if we were going to be able to fill time at the start, but we went well over time, as we kind of often do on these lists. But that was uh, good. I enjoyed that. And I hope everyone listening at home enjoyed it as well. And if you'd like to hear more stuff, there's loads of content on patreon.com forward slash terrace podcast. It's little as $2 a month. Or if you want everything, you can pay $5 a month and you get all the content we put up on that, which I think is something ridiculous, like 580 podcasts, all there. And yeah, get t- stuck into that because we've all got more time. What, what better thing to do with your time than just continue listening to us spout pish? And guests who are we coming up? Ah, yes, we'll be having more guests. Some of them might be uh, in the free stuff because, uh, like I said, we've got some holes to fill, but we'll, yeah. we'll mix it around. And yeah, if you'd like to get in touch with us, the, the best way is uh, twitter.com uh, forward slash Terrace Podcast or at Terrace Podcast if you're, yeah, that's how you're going to do things. Right, Joe, say goodbye. Goodbye. And I'm Craig Fowler saying goodbye and I'll talk to you all again very soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.